0: A quick note before you dive into today's episode, while I will always be an advocate for multi-passionates embracing their talents as a gift, not a burden, I have decided that I'm no longer going to run a business with that as the goal. Please note that as you listen to any episodes, any of the offers that I have expressed, especially my coaching program, which I've talked about in many episodes, those are no longer relevant as my business is closing. If you'd like to stay connected, come and find me on LinkedIn. The link will be added across the show notes in all episodes. Be well. Welcome to the Multi-Passionate Mastery Podcast. The podcast where creatives come to embrace their talents as a gift, not a burden. I'm your host, Deanna Joy, lover of crystals and houseplants, and mom to a very cute rescue pup named Chai. Together, we'll explore how to finally make friends with focus, ditching overwhelm and idea fatigue once and for all, and how to be unapologetic about who you are as a multi-passionate. But I'm not just going to pump you up with a bunch of empowerment content. I'm going to give you tools and practices that you can implement starting today. It's time to unlock your multi-passionate mastery. Let's begin. I can hardly believe that I'm saying this, but we have reached the finale For season one of the show. After this episode, I'll be taking a brief hiatus to just relax and allow some new inspiration to come in and to plan some exciting things for you for season two. Now I've been meaning to record this finale episode for about a week, but I kept putting it off. I was procrastinating. But here's the thing. I really trust my procrastination. I believe that procrastination is my higher mind. Revealing a more aligned timeline. So I don't beat myself up if I put something off. I trust myself and I trust that my timing is always correct. It took a while to get to that point, but as I started to become curious and observe procrastination, I realized that oftentimes when I procrastinated and I did something on a slightly longer timeline, it would work out even better. I would find an easier way to do it, or someone would pop out of thin air who could help me out, just weird things like that. And so I started to pay attention and that really reframed how I think about procrastination. And I'm glad that I waited because waiting a week to record allowed something new to emerge that's going to be included in this episode. This episode is super special because it's a and a episode. I'll be answering your questions all about focus because that's been the theme for season one here on the Multipassionate mastery podcast and a question slid in at the very last minute and I'll be able to include it because I procrastinated and I waited to record. So I'm really excited to get into that. But back to this being the season one finale, I want to say thank you so much. This has been a great first season. We talked about focus in a few different ways from the ins and outs of my three-part focus framework, to how to finish what you start as a multi-passionate, and even what it means to focus in terms of niching down. I've loved your feedback all season long. I read every single one of your reviews. So if you've been listening throughout this season, but you haven't taken the time to leave a review, please let that be your gift to me to say congratulations on a great season and go ahead and leave a review today after you're done listening or click pause and go do so right now if you want to. We have a very, very brief description of how to leave a review in the show notes. It's super easy. It will take maybe three whole minutes and it helps so, so much. I would love for more and more multi-passionates to find this podcast, even while we're on hiatus, right? Like that's the beautiful thing about this platform is that people can find this when they're meant to and your review can help someone else find this show. So I really appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to answer your questions about focus on today's episode. Let's dive right in. Question number one. This one is from Shelby, who's one of my clients right now inside of my group coaching program, Prioritize and Thrive. She actually submitted a couple of questions, so you'll hear from her now and then again later in the episode. And her question is, what do you do if a task takes longer than expected? This is a great question. I've never really been someone who was good at consistently tracking my time. I've tried to get into that. And I think that there's a lot of people who would answer the question that way. They would say, track your time so that you know exactly how long every single task takes. But I've never been able to stay consistent with that. Instead, I sort of just observe myself in the moment And the other thing, the reason I don't track my time is because I notice that it can take me longer to do certain tasks depending on where I am in my menstrual cycle. There are certain tasks that I can fly through during certain times in the month or they might take me a little longer or I may not wanna do them at all during other times of the month. So here's my non-conventional answer that does not include tracking my time. I have buffer days each week for any tasks that don't get done within the time frame that I allowed for them. So if I am inside of my active focus day, which we'll talk about later in this episode, but if it's a Tuesday and I'm in my active focus session and I am going through my task and let's say I'm writing my monthly email newsletter and I'm thinking I could totally get this done in 30 minutes. I already know what I want to say, but then maybe I forgot that. I had other things that needed to go in the email and for some reason I was unprepared. So let's say that I needed to stop for the day, but I wasn't able to finish it. Then I would pick that task up on Thursday because that's my buffer day. And I also sort of keep that in mind for the future. So if I'm creating a task for the future to say, writing my email newsletter for the month, instead of saying, oh, this is going to only take me 30 minutes, I can now say, you know what, let's just double that and make it an hour. And that way I give myself a little bit more time. So I'm just going to assume that this is something that's happening for you, Shelby, since you asked me this. So if a task takes longer than expected, you might want to consider being proactive and doubling the amount of time that you give yourself to perform that task. So if you are going to be recording a new YouTube video, for example, and that usually takes you about an hour then maybe it could be most supportive to give yourself two full hours to record that video. If you get done early, great. That's a huge bonus. But if you don't, you know that you gave yourself that amount of time and it sort of creates a little bit of a buffer. You probably only only need an hour, but you have two. And so therefore you can kind of flow within that and it creates that buffer. So that's another strategy that you can use. Just double the amount of time that you give yourself. Now, here's why this doesn't happen to me as often as it used to in terms of a task taking longer than expected. Typically, I break all of my larger tasks down into smaller bite-sized pieces. So it's rare that something takes me longer than expected because I'm only working on one small step at a time. So if you, again, if this is coming up for you and you're realizing, okay, I think that this is going to take me an hour, but I look up and two hours have passed and it's just taking me so long. I would also suggest breaking that task down into smaller steps. Are you trying to get the entire task done in one day? Can you do a part of it today and a part of it tomorrow, for example? So with the email newsletter example, I might write the outline or just kind of brain up my idea one day, type it all up during my next active focus session and then add graphics or any imagery right before I'm about to send it out. If I can break the task down, it's going to take me less time, and it's less likely that I will find myself in a situation where something's taking way longer than I expected. So I hope that's helpful for you, Shelby, and thank you so much for submitting that question. Question number two is from Beth, who is also a client of mine and a dear friend. Beth wants to know if I use a digital planner or a paper one. I use both. I use a Google Calendar because it's the easiest way to keep track of my schedule for all things virtual, Zoom meetings and podcast interviews and all of that. And my VA, Maggie, she's the one who does all my scheduling. So having the Google Calendar as our central place for all meetings and events is super important. I also put my focus blocks directly on my Google Calendar. So it might say intensive focus on a Monday for a few hours. And then there's typically a huge active focus block on Tuesdays. And then I'll even put in my buffer time in between meetings or my passive focus time. I do all of that on my Google calendar because I take my three-part focus framework very seriously. It's what allows me to show up again and again and continue to create momentum in my life, and in my work. And I need those visual reminders. Just because I created this framework doesn't mean that I don't have to continue to practice it. And having those visual reminders on my calendar, it really, really helps me. Once I have the week up to date in my Google calendar, then usually Monday during my intensive focus session, after I have looked at my vision book and had just some quiet time to myself, I like to write things down in my paper planner. And that's also where I add any personal items for the week. So if I need to return something, or I need to go to the market, or there's someone that I'm meaning to connect with, like a friend that I want to text or call, I'll write all that down in my planner on paper. I also like having a paper planner because I love to doodle and use colorful pens and washi tape and stickers. And it's important. For me to have things in my life that are tactile and not digital. So much of what I do is digital. That's just the nature of the business that I'm in and the world that we live in today, really. So, having that paper planner, having a page to turn, being able to put stickers and colors and highlights, that can be really helpful. And I really like that. But, <laughs> or Anne, for my daily calendar, I actually do use a digital one. So I plan my week out in my paper planner, but there are some days, typically my active focus days, where I actually want to plan things out hour by hour. When I'm going to work on a specific thing, when I'm going to transition to the next thing, when I'm going to walk my dog, I will write it down hour by hour. And those are typically my best days. Now, I'm a person who thrives in a structured environment. That is part of my human design. It's a part of who I am. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, hour by hour, that's like my worst nightmare. I'm not suggesting that you do that, but it works for me. It helps me kind of just turn my brain off and stick to the plan. And so I'll wake up in the morning some days and I'll have my coffee and I'll just sit with my digital planner and I'll plan out my day hour by hour. The reason I like to do that digitally is simply because I'm not wasting paper. you know, using a new planner page every single day to plan my day. I have done that in the past as well, printed one out and kind of carried it around in a clipboard with me for the day. And I like that too, but it starts to feel a little wasteful in terms of paper. So I'm really happy to have a planner that I can use with my iPad. And that's where I do my hour by hour if I feel that I need that. So if I have a day where I want to be very productive and get a lot done making an hour-by-hour plan works better for me than just having these bigger blocks. I hope that, Beth, as you're listening to this, you're hearing that I experiment and I play and I see what works for me. And I'm fine with having a combination of different things because as a creative person, I think we sort of, we crave that variety, right? That's at least how I feel. There's gonna be certain times where I just wanna glance at my Google calendar and see what meetings I have for the week. There's going to be other days where I want to add some stickers or keep track of how much water I'm drinking in my paper planner. And there's going to be other days where I know I have a lot that I want to accomplish and adding in that extra structure of an hour by hour plan is going to be really supportive for me. And on those days, I'll grab my iPad, I'll open up my daily planner page, and I'll write down my day hour by hour. Another reason that I like having a paper planner, one that's tactile that I can hold in my hands is that when something pops into my mind in the middle of the day, I can just open my planner and jot it down really quick. I could do that with my Google Calendar, but it would require me to open a new tab or open the app and that can lead to a digital distraction cycle that I don't want to be in. So having my paper planner on my desk within reach works really well for that as well. Now, the last thing that I wanna say about using planners and using calendars is that even though this creates a lot of structure, it does not rob me from my freedom to flow within that. I will move something over to the next day in a heartbeat if I truly don't wanna do it, or if I'm procrastinating and I'm really honoring that as higher wisdom, right? So just because I write something down doesn't mean that I can't shift it. Just because I assign something with a due date in Asana, which is the project management software, that's another place that I keep track of things visually. Just because I put a date on that doesn't mean that the date cannot change. I create an abundance of structure for myself and then I flow within that structure. And I think that's really important to say because sometimes creatives (laughs) like you, like me, like everyone listening, we hear the word structure or planner or calendar and we start to tense up and it's because we think that it's going to sort of take our freedom away. So I want to make sure that that's very clear. That's not what having a planner is about or a Google calendar is about. You can absolutely still flow within that structure. So I hope that that answers your question. Okay. So let's go to the next question. This one is from Jenna. Jenna is a previous client of mine. Hi, Jenna. So great to hear from you. And Jenna wants to know, how do you know which project to start with first? So this is a great question. And I've actually outlined a seven step process for choosing which project to start with first and to set yourself up for success with following through. I'm so glad that you asked this, Jenna, because I've taught this on an Instagram live and I've written about it in my blog, but we have not talked about this on the podcast yet. So let's go ahead and dive in. Also, if prioritizing is something that you want to get better at, definitely get on the waitlist for my new flagship program, Prioritize and Thrive. It's a group coaching program for multi-passionates who want to create clear priorities so that they can finally break free from the pressure of trying to do all the things at once. So depending on when you're listening to this, drawers will either be opening soon or they will have already opened. But either way, if you sign up for the waitlist. At the link in our show notes, you'll get the most up-to-date info delivered right to your inbox. Okay, so we're going to go through seven steps to help you figure out which project to start with first. And I'm assuming that this is like business related because that's typically what these questions are centered around. So we're going to take that lens. Step one, list out the current priorities that you have in your business. Or if this is not a business related question, then list out the priorities that you have in your personal life. So let's go with the business example. So for example, your list might say, okay, my priorities are, I want to create and share content consistently. I want to show up on video more often. I want to focus less on creating new products and more at marketing my current products, or I want to grow my audience. Those kinds of things. Those may be your priorities and it's okay if it's more than one, just list them all out so that you can see them and get them out of your head. The next step is you're going to choose a priority to dedicate a season of focus to. A season of focus is a 90-day period that you dedicate to a specific outcome or goal. You can hear more about that in episode seven with Amanda McKinney, but that season of focus is where you are saying, okay, I have this priority And I want to make momentum on it. So therefore, I'm going to dedicate a season of focus to focus only on that. And it's not choosing one thing or niching down. It's not the same thing as that because seasons change. This is a 90-day period where you're going to focus so that you can gain some momentum. And then you'll get a lot of your energy back at the end. And then you can move on to something else and still maintain what you already created. So you're going to choose one priority from your list. dedicate a season of focus to. And then after you do that, you're going to list out all of the projects that you want to pursue. So you might say, okay, I want to start my email list. I want to launch a podcast. I want to collaborate with other brands. I want to create merchandise. I really want to start hiring people. I want to write an ebook, or I want to write a novel, whatever it is. So list out all those projects. Okay first three steps, list out your current priorities. Choose one that you can dedicate a season of focus to. And then step three, list out all the projects that you want to pursue. Step four is to look at your list of projects and choose the one that lends itself most easily to the season of focus priority that you've set. Let me repeat that. You're going to look at your list of projects that you wrote and choose which one lends itself most easily to the season of focus priority that you have set. If you start to feel a little anxious here, just breathe and trust that each of your projects will have their moment. All the skills that you're going to learn from this project that you are going to prioritize, it's going to support you and help you in your future endeavors. So you're going to go ahead and cross-reference your list. Let me give you an example of kind of how this can work. Let's say it's a Monday morning. I'm about to do my intensive focus session. And during my intensive focus session, I write out a list of my current priorities that I have in my business. And after taking some time to reflect, I realize that the most important thing for me to focus on at this time is marketing the digital products that I've created. So then I make a list of all my projects on my mind And I'm looking at the list and after cross referencing, I can see that starting a podcast is probably the most aligned with my priority of creating a consistent marketing strategy for my business. It checks a lot of boxes. So now I've decided that I'll be creating a season of focus dedicated to launching my podcast. That means that this project will be my main priority for the next 90 days. And I'll probably use the 90 day focus planner to stay on track, which you can grab inside of the multi-passionate mastery bundle, which we'll link to in the show notes. So those are the first four steps. There's three more steps though. That's how you choose what to start with. You can follow that process to choose what you start with, but choosing what you start with doesn't really matter if you're not confident in your ability to follow through on what you've just decided. So that's why I'm going to give these extra three steps because I want you to actually get to the finish line. So stay with me, Jenna, and stay with me, everyone who's listening, okay? So step number five, on a fresh piece of paper, you're going to write down everything that comes up for you after choosing which project to start with first. Do this stream of consciousness style and do not hold back. After you decide what your season of focus is and which project lends itself most easily to that season of focus. And you decide that, what comes up for you? What do you feel? What's happening in your body and in your mind? So for example, after choosing to launch a podcast, when I'm writing my list, I might write, this whole process feels really overwhelming. I don't know the tech side of podcasting. Do I even have the time? How can I make sure that this leads to generating more income in my business? What if my voice sounds terrible?" What if nobody listens? And so on and so on. The reason this step is really important is because we are going to have those thoughts, whether we write them down or not. Self-doubt is completely normal. It's a normal function of the brain to weigh multiple options. And sometimes that's going to mean self-doubt. It's going to mean wondering how you're going to pull it off. It's going to mean wondering if anyone's going to like what you do and all of those things. When you decide which project to start with and you don't address those thoughts, what happens? They just live in your head and they can create self sabotage and they can start to talk you out of what you've just chosen. So that's why the very next step is to acknowledge those thoughts and get them out of your head. So after you write your list of things that come up for you, once you've decided what you're going to focus on, the next step is to take a break and change up your environment. you just moved through a very powerful process of choosing your season of focus priority, aligning that priority with a project to pursue and identifying the self-doubts that arise as a result. So now give yourself a break, right? Because that's an intense process. So 20, 30 minutes, that's perfect. To enhance this break, you can get up and seek out a change of scenery. So you can literally go for a walk get out of the house or go into a different room or you can do something that's a more symbolic change of scenery like take a shower or change your clothes but do something that's going to sort of disrupt your flow and that's that is weird i wouldn't often tell you to do that but in this case that's what's going to be the most helpful so after your break you're going to return to your list of fears and self-doubts and you're going to have your solution hat on look at each of the things that you listed And write a suggestion next to it as if you were giving advice to a close friend or your favorite client. For example, going back to my list, if I were to write, this whole process feels really overwhelming. After I take my break and I come back with my solution hat, I'll write down next to that, all new projects are overwhelming at first. This is completely normal. And then I don't understand the tech side of podcasting. And I would say, I bet there's a podcast course you can take to learn all of this in bite-sized pieces. Or I might say, it can't be that difficult because a ton of people have podcasts. Do I even have time to pull this off? Well, you can create the time. You created a season of focus. This is what you're going to be focusing on for the next 90 days. So if you don't have the time, it actually just means that you're not dedicating yourself to the season of focus. And you know that you can do that. So, of course, you're going to have the time. You're in control of your schedule. You can create the time. So, you see what I'm doing here? I'm going back to those self doubts and I'm addressing them from a new perspective. That is how you take self doubt and turn it into opportunities to create solutions that are going to help you get to the finish line of the project that you started. I know that this is a long answer but I did not want to give you half of the answer and not give you the rest of it because choosing which project to start with is just the first step. And this is why it's really also awesome if you have someone who's coaching you or someone that you're working with, because as you move through some of these self-doubts and need to create these solutions, you can have someone else to bounce that off of as well, but you can totally do this yourself. Okay. Next question. We're going to go back to Shelby. She wants to know, how I plan my week. We talked about this a little bit back in episode five, but I'm gonna go over it again and share how I use the planetary alignment of each day to add even more structure to my week. So Mondays are rolled by the moon and that's a very flowy, expansive vibe. So I have an intensive focus session on Mondays. Go back and listen to episode three if you don't know what intensive focus is. But I do high-level planning. I look at my vision book. I sometimes do this outdoors. I take some time to go back into my why. And once I'm feeling really, really rooted in that energy, I might assign some admin tasks to my assistant and map out my week in my planner after reviewing my Google calendar. And then I typically end the day early. And on my favorite Mondays, I tie my hammock up between two trees at the park And I just lay in my hammock, I listen to a podcast, or I'll read, or if the weather's not permitting, or I don't want to do that, I'll sometimes take a nice long bath with a glass of Shirley Wine, which is my favorite alcohol-removed wine. I'm wanting to drink a lot less during the weekdays to keep myself clear-minded, so I highly recommend... Trying out Shirley if you love wine but hate hangovers. (laughs) It's alcohol removed wine, but it's so, so good. Like you won't even miss it. I'll leave a link and my discount code for 15% off in the show notes if you also want to have a glass of wine during the week, but no hangover the next day. But that's my Monday, and it's almost, it almost feels like a day off. I do not put a lot of pressure on myself to work on Mondays because they ruled by the moon and the moon is like, let's just flow. Let's be expansive. And I really honor that. Now, Tuesday is ruled by action packed Mars. So this is active focus day. Again, active focus is that kind of messy bun, get it done energy. It's when we are focusing and we're being intentional and we're working. So I front load my most important task on Tuesdays. Now notice, I know it's important, right? I know which tasks are the most important. And I set myself up for having a productive day. Sometimes I'll walk to a local coffee shop or I'll go to a co-working space so that I can maximize my active focus energy. I also plan an active focus reward at the end of my session. So that could look like ordering food instead of cooking, taking a bath, popping into my local crystal shop to get a new stone or to get some incense or taking a nap, whatever would feel nourishing and fun and rewarding for me, I plan that at the end of my day on Tuesday as a reward for really, really focusing and getting a lot done. It's definitely my most productive day of the week. Wednesday is ruled by Mercury, which is the planet of communication. So this is when I have meetings with my VA, Maggie, every week. It's also when I do my networking calls, if I'm doing any kind of collaborations and need to connect with anyone. This is when I'll take podcast interviews, most likely. And also, these are the days when I coach my clients. Now, I'm not doing all of that in one day because that would wipe me out energetically. I'm a human design manifester and I need a lot of rest <laughs> and white space in my schedule, especially when it comes to interacting with other people. So, you know, I might have one week where I have a meeting with Maggie and a podcast interview. And then another week where I'm just coaching. On the days that I coach, I actually don't take any other calls because I want to spend that day getting in the energy to serve my clients and then doing whatever I feel like doing afterwards because I always get off of those calls super inspired by my clients. So I don't plan anything for the rest of the day. I like to rest or do something fun after having multiple calls, especially because they require a lot of energy of me. And it's important that I fill my cup Back up after. So Wednesday is my communication day. I want to get to the point where I am writing blogs and recording podcast episodes on Wednesdays as well, because that's definitely a part of like communication and that energy of Mercury. But I'm not quite there yet. I take a while to like sort of get my energy back after calls. And so I don't put a lot of pressure on myself to produce work on those days. So. That's where I'm at with Wednesdays, but I would love to in the future, maybe wake up a little early and do some writing before my meetings, but we'll see. (laughs) Thursdays, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember which planet rules this day, but that's fine. This is a buffer day for me. So any tasks that didn't get completed during that Tuesday workflow, they carry over to Thursday. But because I started with my most important task on Tuesdays, I'm not stressed out on Thursday, typically. I'm not really rushing. I'm just checking my project management software. I'm seeing which tasks need my attention. I'm taking note of anything that didn't get done. And then I will give it the attention that it needs on Thursday. I typically work from home on Thursday. I don't usually go anywhere. I kind of just relax and take it easy and keep going on any tasks that didn't get completed. Fridays are ruled by Venus and Venus is that flirty, kind of fun, sexy, playful planet. So my new tradition on Fridays is to either take the day off. So if I got everything I needed to get done between Tuesday and Thursday, that means that I don't really have to do much on Friday. So I might take the day off or I'll take myself on a work date. So my favorite place to go is this beautiful brewery that overlooks the water out here in Long Beach where I live. And so I'll go there and I'll do a little bit of work and then I just drive two minutes and I'll go to the roller skating rink. (laughs) I love to roller skate. It's like my new thing and I try to go every week and I've been going every week pretty consistently. So I'll either do that on Thursday or on Friday And that's like a part of my week that I plan ahead and that I schedule. But also Friday is another buffer day for me. I already front loaded most of my tasks on Tuesdays. If that didn't get completed, then I have Thursday. And if something came up on Thursday or I just wasn't feeling it or I wasn't able to get it done for whatever reason, then I have Friday still. But if a task isn't urgent and important, most likely I'll just slide it over into the following week. Because usually by Friday, my most important things are already completed. So there's really no pressure and it's a really fun day. I love Fridays. Who doesn't, right? So that's my week in a nutshell. It's pretty chill and it's taken me some time to get to this place where my days are spacious and my schedule is so relaxed, but finally got there and really, truly like paying attention to Which planet rules which day was the first step in me creating a schedule that works for me. So I highly recommend it. I'm not an astrologer, so maybe do a quick Google search to learn a little bit more about that. All right. I hope that you're still with me. I know this episode is a little bit longer, but I wanted to answer all of your questions and this one slid in at the very last minute. And I'm so glad that I waited a little while to record this because otherwise this question would not have made it in. This question comes from Jocelyn, who's a listener of the podcast and reached out to me on Instagram to express how much she appreciates the show. By the way, I love it when you reach out and let me know how the podcast is landing for you. Please don't hesitate to hit me up on Instagram. If you're more introverted and you don't know what to say and you don't want to like just slide in my DMs, you can always just share a screenshot of the show or look for one of my podcast posts on my feed and pop it in your stories and tag me. If you tag me, we'll be in DMs and then I can say hello because I'm not shy at all. (laughs) And I would love to meet you and I would love to chat with you. So don't hesitate. Hit me up. Anyway, Dawson wants to know how to stay focused when distractions arise that feel urgent. She said that she'll be in a flow state and finally sitting down to work. And then she'll get an email or a text or some other alert about something that requires her attention or an opportunity or something, and she'll get pulled out of her task. So my answer to this can be summed up in one word, boundaries. When you're in active focus, which is what we've been talking about a lot today, actually, when you're in that messy bun, get it done, focused energy, it's your responsibility to protect that time and show up for the work that gets to be done. Active focus is what you're going to need in order to gain momentum and move the needle. Without it, you won't feel like you're showing up for what you want to create in the world. And that's a shitty feeling, right? So Jocelyn, let's quickly go over how you can set better boundaries during your active focus session so that you don't get distracted. Number one is drop into your why first. I used to have a free Facebook group way back in the day. And we used to do this thing called Focus Fridays. And it was when I was first starting to talk about my focus framework. One of the members inside of that group would say that it was really, really hard for her to engage in active focus. Like she just could not get herself to do it. She didn't want to sit down and actually work. She was having more fun kind of just planning and dreaming. And so I gave her the suggestion to create a personal manifesto. Why is this work important to you? Who is it going to impact? How are you going to grow? What is your manifesto? What is your declaration? And I told her to write it out, print it out somewhere and read it before her active focus session. That is really helpful because it helps you to anchor into why you're doing what you're doing instead of just feeling like you are just tackling a never-ending to-do list, you can really lose sight of why you're doing that. So my first suggestion is to drop into your why first because when you know that you're doing something for a very specific reason and you have that energy behind it, it's way easier to ignore those distractions until after you're done working because you have more context for why you're doing exactly that. My next tip is to use the Pomodoro Method. That means that you're going to work in a stretch of about 20 to 30 minutes, and then a timer will go off, and then you can take a break for 5 to 10 minutes, and then you keep doing that repeatedly until you're done with your task. This way, you only have to stay focused for 20 minutes, and then you have a break. And on that break, you can check your phone if you need to, you can pop into your email if you need to, but... Knowing that you have that break coming up will allow your focus time to be even more intentional. But here's the thing. If you're taking a break and checking your phone and then whatever's on your phone is pulling you out, then maybe you do not invite your phone to your active focus session. Maybe your phone is on airplane mode and you keep it out of the room. And then after that timer goes off and you can go to tomato timer.com to get a free timer to use this method or I think there's an app as well, after that timer goes off, if something's happening, if something's happening that's in your personal life that's truly urgent, you can check your phone. But the amount of things that happen that are actually urgent, that happen within a 20 minute span are typically gonna be few and far between. So I really think that that could be helpful for you, Jocelyn and anyone else who gets distracted when they're in active focus. Put your phone somewhere that's not near you And then use the Pomodoro method to work for 20 or 30 uninterrupted minutes before you take that 10 minute break and use a timer to give you those cues. The next thing, review your environment. So we talk about this in the episode titled, How I Gain Massive Momentum in My Business as a Multipassionate. If your environment is creating this energy where it's really easy to waver on your focus, and you're having kind of loose boundaries around what you will and won't do while you're in that active focus session, maybe you need to choose a different place to work. Maybe being outside of the home can be supportive or in a different room or, I don't know, standing up instead of sitting down or working at a coffee shop or something like that. You'd be surprised what can happen when we're in a very relaxed environment. If you're just home and you're like in your pajamas and you're chilling. I think it's going to be way easier to just grab your phone and start scrolling than if you get dressed and go to a beautiful coffee shop that you love and you know that you're there to work. You know what I'm saying? So also consider that. And then lastly, you can increase your accountability by co-working. You can co-work in person with someone or virtually. Having someone else sitting there staring at you, (laughs) not staring at you, but like someone else who's aware of your presence it definitely can help with saying, okay, it's time to work. I am not gonna pick up my phone and I'm not gonna allow myself to get distracted. So if you don't try anything else, I think that's actually my number one tip. Increase your accountability to yourself by co-working with someone else. All right, well, that's it for all the questions. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, this Q&A episode. It was definitely really fun to see what you wanted to know. And to give you my insights, thank you so much for listening to this first season. I can't wait to come back for season two. We'll be talking a lot more about the power of prioritizing. I'll introduce you to my priority mapping method, and I'll be bringing a few guests to the show for our first interview. So that's really, really exciting. I can't wait to connect after the break. Be sure to sign up for my love letter list at the link in our show notes so that you'll get an update when the podcast comes back. And I might just have a few bonus episodes to drop between now and season two. I would love to make sure that you don't miss those. So definitely sign up for my love letter list at the link in our show notes. And I'll see you after the break for season two. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Multi Passionate Mastery Podcast. If you received anything valuable from this episode, send it to a friend. I know you've got some creative people in your life who need to hear this. Also, please take a moment to pop over to iTunes and leave a review. Even sharing one sentence about how you feel about this podcast can help us reach the hearts and ears of more multi-passionates. If you're not exactly sure how to leave a review, I've left some instructions for you down in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.